What is up, everyone? My name is OJ Tucker, host of the OJ Tucker podcast, the only comedy tennis podcast that talks about a political and societal culture as a whole. My name is OJ Tucker, as name would suggest. Happy belated Mother's Day. Hopefully you guys enjoyed your weekend, spending time with your family, your friends, more specifically with your mothers, as well as watching the Italian Open as well. Uh, there's a little bit of news that we can get into for today in terms of news outside of the tennis world. I do want to discuss uh, my overall weekend. Uh, I did perform at Nick's Comedy Stop on Saturday, so I want to give you a little bit of a tale about that. I'm very happy and very excited. I have so much love and respect for that club. You know, some of my favorite comedians came from that place, whether it was Burr, Rogan, Louie, you know, Dan Coco was also a big part of that. Patrice O'Neill, you know, so many great comedians came from, from that club, and the fact that I was able to perform on that uh, was special to me. It was a very special moment and uh, something that I'll never forget. You know, it's uh, so I do want to discuss that. I do want to discuss me uh, performing a Nick's Comedy Stop in Boston. Uh, I hosted for Shafi Hossein, um, really good comedian. Uh, obviously go follow him. Shafi stands up on Instagram. Shafi Hossein Comedy on TikTok. Uh, very much a Bengali. I mean, I don't know if it's politically correct for me to say call them Bengali, but I'll just call them Bangladeshi. So primarily Bangladeshi audience that I had to perform in front of, which was a crazy experience because the day before I saw Shafi at Nick's and it was a 50% Bangladeshi crowd, 50% white people crowd. But this was like all Bangladeshi. It was on Saturday, it was all Bangladeshi. I guess because Muslims pray on Friday. So they're like, okay, we can't go to the Friday show. We got to get to the Saturday show. Uh, but yeah, I do want to discuss uh, my overall time at Nick's Comedy Stop and uh, me hosting it. So yeah, I'll discuss that. And in terms of uh, news, I do want to discuss Stephen Wright on Joe Rogan. So if you guys don't know, Stephen Wright, one of the best one liner comedians of all time, I should say. Uh, known for I Have a Pony, Wicked Chairs and Gravities, When the Leaves Blow Away, you know, some great album specials that he got to check out. Um, he appeared on Joe Rogan. I think this is like one of his first podcast appearances I've ever seen him on. And it's very rare to see Stephen Wright talking. Like for me, it's very rare to see that. So the fact that he was able to do that is just great. Um, it, it was a great conversation. Obviously, it's very comedy speak. So if you're not into like the comedy lingo or the comedy language or comedians talking about their profession and their art, I understand. I understand why you wouldn't like it. But for me, I, I, I sort of nerded out, geeked out about that. So might as well discuss that as well. So Stephen Wright appeared on Joe Rogan on his podcast Saturday. And I'll discuss all that. Uh, and I'll also, also give you my weekly pick. So each and every week, I would give you my thoughts on a piece of art a film, a song, an album, sometimes a special that I really enjoy that I think you guys will enjoy as well. And this week, it's a, it's a band that I really loved for most of my life. And uh, yeah, I, they released a new single for their new album. So uh, I'm going to recommend that. But first, let's get into some tennis. Obviously, I'm going to spend less than like a minute talking about tennis because as you all know, the Italian Open is happening. Uh, people have been progressing. You know, Novak Djokovic has been doing really well. It's good to see that. Obviously, tennis is great when Djokovic is doing well, so great to see him in full form. But uh, the one thing I do want to point out about the Italian Open is that I love when I see Italians cape hard for their own players. That's amazing to me. I love it. I, I saw Holger Rune yesterday or the other day. Um, he was coming out of the tunnel. They were announcing his name. And when they announced his name, he just got thunderous boos. 
thunderous booze. Like it was, it felt like I was watching, you know, Shawn Michaels trying to introduce Bret Hart at Montreal, you know, after the screw drop. You know, that's what it felt like. It felt like that. I, I haven't heard booze like that in a while. Like it was crazy. And again, this is the Italian Open. Like this is first week entering into the second week. You know, like the crowds aren't as packed as they would be in the second week. On understandably so, but the fact that he got thunderous boos by the by the by that crowd is crazy. Uh, again, he was he got booed because he was playing against Fognini, uh, who is an Italian-born player. So obviously, there's a reason behind it. But yeah, you know, overall, Fognini, Sinner, you know, Musetti, they've all been doing pretty well lately. So. Yeah, I just wanted to say that. that That's my tennis mint for you guys. I just love the booze. I love the audience interactions. It's great. It's great. It's great. It's great. It's great. Uh, but yeah, that's my tennis mint for you guys. So let's get into our first topic for today. Let's get into our first topic for today. And that will be Trump's CNN town hall meeting. So if you guys don't know, Trump, Donald Trump had a town hall at St. Anselm College in Manchester, New Hampshire on Wednesday. I was actually in Manchester, New Hampshire on Wednesday, and I was um, petrified, honestly. Like, I was like, am, am I going to get, like, jumped in this place? Like, am I going to get, like, my, my my car, like, captured? I don't I don't know. I don't know what Trumpsters do. I don't know what Trump supporters do. But I, I was, like, on the age of my heels. Like, obviously, I know Trump, I, I shouldn't, like, characterize all Trump people as bad people. But, like, there was, like... Um, um uh, there was like a meeting of Trump supporters there, like a rally of Trump supporters there at like 10 p.m. outside of this college. And I'm like, dude, get over yourself. Like, get over yourself. This guy swindled you for four years thinking that he that he, that he was this populist, you know, outside the box figure. When in reality, he was just no different than Jeb Bush or Marco Rubio or any of these other establishment Republicans who would have been in office. He, he was basically no different than those people. Stop having this sort of godlike complex with him. It just makes no sense whatsoever. But that's my life. Okay, I was in Manchester on Wednesday, and uh, I was like, okay, this is not going to go well. Like, I, 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 there, there were like biker gangs outside this place as well when I went. I'm like, this is just not the place for me. Pro, like, I, don't, I, don't, I don't fit into this place whatsoever. Um, but yeah, overall, he was in Manchester, New Hampshire for this town hall, um, moderated by CNN. I think the name of the moderator was Katyan Collins. I hope I'm not. Yeah, K- Caitlin Collins. Katyan, I, I don't know. I don't know where I got Katyan Collins. Uh, but Caitlin Collins, she was the moderator. And overall, it was a shit show. I mean, I, mean, I shouldn't swear in the first 10 minutes. So I want to get demonetized for that uh, as if I don't get any money as it does. But it was it was bad. It was really bad. Uh, she was not able to moderate correctly. Uh, Trump also, at times, was immature. It felt like he was just rehashing his infamous Joe Biden debate, where it was just him and Joe Biden with no audience, just screaming into the void against one another for an hour and a half. It felt exactly the same way. The crowd was mostly pro-Trump heavy crowd. I mean, it's St. Anselm College. Like, what do you expect? It's going to be a pro-Trump heavy crowd in St. Anselm College, right? That's their college. Like, it's what they are. They're just Trump people, you know, and they're just there to support a loser. I mean, that's what they're there for. Um, no, no hate or disrespect to St. Anselm College, obviously, but I'm just saying that the people that were there are just supporting a guy who's a loser. Like, that's all that I'm saying. Uh, but yeah, overall, it was just a 
really bad time for everybody involved. I don't think anything productive happened out of this. Uh, there are times in this uh, town hall meeting where Caitlin Collins would bring up his sexual uh, assault claims. Uh, apparently, like he was rightfully uh, in the in the court of, in the in the court uh, was rightful uh, was was accused of sexual assault and was found guilty of those counts of sexual assault and sexual misconduct. And the way that he sort of played it out. I mean, he's I mean, he's really good at chucking and driving. Like, you got to give Trump his credit. He's really good at chucking and driving. And this was the case. I mean, he was just a master at it. He downplayed everything. He, he tried to, you know, put some comedy in it, which, I, I mean, is weird to do that for when you're accused of sexual assault and sexual harassment. Uh, but overall, it was just him just chucking and driving for every question. You know, even when it came to abortion, you know, a, uh, a policy that he himself was the main catalyst for, you know, he himself was the main reason why Roe v. Wade was overturned. He really gave some non-answers to those questions, you know, so he, this was just not, whenever I hear like people on Twitter being like, oh, Trump annihilated Caitlin Collins. It's like, no, he didn't. Like, no, he did not. Obviously, Caitlin Collins did not do well. Like, she did not do well whatsoever. She did not give Trump enough time to answer these questions. She did not give enough time to make it a civil and honest discussion. She did not say to the audience, zip down. You guys are buffoons. You guys are, are dumbasses. He, she did not say any of that, anything like that. All she did was just give question after question after question, not give Trump the ability to answer. And when he did answer, he showed more of an ass out of himself. And it got so bad that at one point I'm like, why Why even do this? Like, if you're CNN, I understand the ratings are high for this event, right? Three million people tune into CNN, which is the highest ratings they've gotten over the past few years or so, ever since Trump was in office, right? This has been, that town hall was a success ratings-wise for CNN. But the overall way that they conducted this discussion was just so ill-prepared, was just so ill-informed. And if this was done in a more relaxed setting, like in a podcast form or, say, in a sit-down discussion, I think it would have been a lot better. And I think if... The person that was conducting the interview was a little bit more impartial or not impartial, wrong choice of words there, but it was a little bit more open to having a discussion or a dialogue. I think that this would have been a better, more productive conversation. I, I don't think that this person was the right choice. I just don't. You know, I think CNN saw this person and said, hey, I mean, she looks presentable. Why not have her? And then let her go. It, it doesn't work like that. You need to have somebody that's there to really refute his claims, but more importantly, be able to have an open and honest dialogue. Because if you're not able to have that, then what's the point of having Trump on, right? Like, if you're just going to go after him all the time, then there's no point in having an open and honest dialogue. And I know I've been ragging on CNN a lot over the past few minutes or so, but I think the same should go after Trump as well. I mean, Trump was not good whatsoever. She did not allow... I mean, Trump did not allow... Caitlin to get a word in about like her pushbacks, you know, like at all. And when you hear Trump during this entire exchange, it felt like he was he was not his like normal goofy self, you know. I mean, I, I know I know I've been using that word a lot. And you know, when he was questioned about the sexual assault claims, 
he was definitely goofy then. Like, don't get me wrong. That, that was a time when he was very, very goofy. But again, like, I didn't think that he had the comedic zingers like he used to. Like, I, I mean, there's been a change in Trump over the past few years. So maybe it's the election denial claims that he that he uh, he's espoused on his own platform. Maybe it's because of that. Maybe he's gone off the rabbit hole with that. Uh, but I just thought that this was just a huge waste of time for everybody. Like, I really did think so. Like, I thought that this was such a huge waste of time for everybody involved. Um, again, I mentioned the Roe v. Wade decision being overturned. Again, he gave a non-answer to that. Straight up, he gave a non-answer to that. Like, she was, she asked him, hey, do you think that there should even be more abortion rights being restricted on women? Something along the lines to that. And he, he was like, you know, you never know, you know, it could happen, it could not happen, you know, I think we got to let the states play it out. And it's like, he's, he's the Republican leader. And if he wants to get endorsements from the evangelicals, he needs to go further than just overturning Roe v. Wade, because it's never going to end for these, you know, mentally insane individuals, right? It's, it's never the end for them. So they're going to be asking, they're, they're going to want more than that. They're going to want a national abortion ban, you know, and will Trump do that? Probably not, because he's deep down pro-choice. So again, I don't know. This was just a waste of time. It really was. You know, this entire thing was just such a farce for everybody. Well, for CNN, it was just an easy way for them to get viewers. For Trump, it was an easy way to get back to the limelight. And for Caitlin Collins, it was just an easy way to, for her to get some clout off this. This did not feel at all like it was a productive time. Or productive conversation and more importantly for the fans in the audience that were like saying oh my god this was this changed my mind on trump i love trump now if this is the way that you view like politics just like in this sort of like a shouting match instead of like focusing on policy then i i think you gotta get your voting rights re revoked like i really do think so you know, and and I would say the same thing if if you were if you if this was any other candidate, if any other candidate, if this was Hillary Clinton that went on a on a shouting match with CNN or Fox News, and if I I saw a liberal on Twitter be like, oh, seeing Hillary Hillary go after Fox News makes me want to vote for her. I think your voting rights should be restricted. I do, I do. I mean, I, I think that this wasn't just unproductive on every front and accord imaginable. Uh, I, I just, I just think that again, I don't know how you can def defend this. Like, I really don't know how you can honestly look at this and say to yourself, I think that both these people came out looking well, cause you just can't, it's just physically impossible. Um, so this is in response to all the negative backlash they received. I'm getting this from the Hill, by the way, uh, in response, a representative for the network to the Hill. We offered him the opportunity to connect with the New Hampshire voters via a live televised CNN town hall event. Uh, late on Thursday, anchor Anderson Cooper defended his network's decision to host the event with Trump during an open monologue on his primetime show. Though he said he understands the anger being directed at CNN, you have every right to be outraged today and angry and never watch the network again, Cooper said. But do you think staying in your silo and only listening to people you agree with is going to make that person go away? Uh, the town hall comes at an important time for the uh, network as light marks one year on the job, which he has spent in part attempting to, re to rehabilitate the channel's reputation with conservatives and other critics amid increasing ratings pressures and budget shortfalls. I think this is after Jeff Zucker left. Yeah, I, th I think that's why 
this was important because the light wanted the ratings and that's what he got. Now, was he successful in having an open and honest dialogue and conversation? No, absolutely not. Um, but again, they work in the television side. They need the ratings. They need people to watch their product. And if it means having an Adderall-ridden guy go on television and, and speak incoherently for an hour, an hour and a half with a presenter or an interviewee who is unprepared and is dumb and does not know the difference between her left and right knee or her left and right elbow, then then by all means, let that conversation play out. You know, <laughs> um, no offense to Caitlin Collins. I'm sure she's a very talented person, but I just thought that this was not a good representation of her journalistic credibility. I just didn't think it was at all. I don't know. I feel like if you're a Trump supporter and you look at this and say to yourself, this is my Trump, then I'm sorry, but you may want to reevaluate your political leanings and your, your political identity. I mean, there's no, there was no policy that was discussed at all. Like, yeah, maybe Ukraine, Russia, Ukraine, like he spoke on Russia, Ukraine. I thought he gave a pretty good answer about that, but that was a diamond in the rough. You know, a broken clock is right twice a day. I mean, once a day, twice a day, actually. Yeah, broken, a broken clock is right twice a day. For Trump, it was only once. The you, the Russia-Ukraine take that Trump had was a good take. But that was the only thing that was good in this entire discussion. I don't know. I mean, I just don't think... I just don't think that this was necessary. I, I felt like this was such a waste of everybody's time and you know for every trump supporter that was in manchester when i was in manchester I, I you wasted your time bro stop defending this loser like stop defending this guy it's it's getting in it's turning into a cult it's really it really is it, it feels like watching star wars fans every star wars fan convention or expo or whenever a new trailer for a new movie comes out for star wars related properties it feels like that. It feels like a cult. It, it honest to God feels like a cult, and it's and I don't know when it's going to stop. I really don't know when it's going to end. But you got to stop supporting this loser. Like you got to stop supporting this con artist, this grifter, this snake oil salesman because that's who he is. He's a snake oil salesman. The first the first year in office, he put a tax cuts bill that only helped out the top one percent. This was a guy who championed himself on populist policies heading into the 2016 election. And in his first year, passed a tax cuts bill. In his first year, he put Steve Mnuchin as Treasury Secretary. Stop it. Stop it. it this is not the guy who is the figure for your populist causes. Because he does not care. He just simply does not care. He said he wanted to end all the wars in office. And while he did make a lot of positive strides in ending the in the ending the war in Afghanistan, he drone striked the living crap out of Yemen. Stop supporting this guy. Just stop it. It, it. You're embarrassing yourself, okay? Be apolitical. Enjoy it from the rear view like I do. Enjoy it from the from the outside looking in like I do. Okay, enjoy politics like that. Don't support these individuals that clearly do not care about you. You know, don't have this dogmatic faith in, in, in these individuals that have their faith and and have their identity rooted with Goldman Sachs and with Chase 
and with Citibank and with uh, weapons manufacturers and all that. Just don't. Don't. Anyways, I think that's it for the topic for today. I think I've talked enough about um, CNN's town hall with Trump. It was, it was horrendous. It was just a waste of everybody's time. And I feel like if this was done on a better setting, it would have been better for everybody involved. Anyway, so let's get into news outside of politics. So we're done with the tennis. We're done with politics. Uh, let's get into some fun news. Obviously, this has been a pretty... This weekend breezed by, by the way. This bre- weekend breezed by. I felt like everybody was staying at home watching uh, basketball. I mean, I'm from Boston, so everybody was watching basketball. Some people were watching hockey. Um, you know, so it's been a, a tennis, obviously, uh, for those of us that watch tennis. Uh, so it's been a pretty interesting weekend, obviously, breezy weekend. Everyone's getting ready for the summer. So I kind of wanted to lay low from the topics for today. I didn't want to, like, break down the show matches today on my podcast. I'm like, why, why do that? Uh, it doesn't seem like it's productive for me or for you. Um, so I thought, you know what, might as well just keep it loose, keep it, keep it, you know, light, you know, so let's get into our next topic. I said it's going to be loose and light, so let's get into our next topic. So as I mentioned in the rundown for the today's episode, Stephen Wright appeared on Joe Rogan's podcast on Saturday, and overall, I... This was a great podcast for me. I, this was a great podcast episode for me. I really enjoyed it. Uh, again, it's very rare to see Stephen Wright on a podcast. So whenever you get those opportunities to see Stephen Wright on a podcast, you just got to watch it. Um, you know, this was a very comedy-heavy podcast. Like uh, They discuss the ins and outs of comedy, the ebbs and flows in comedy. It's a lot of insider baseball when it comes to their discussion on comedy, which... I understand, right? Like, you have two comedians on the podcast. You shouldn't be surprised when they talk about comedy. You shouldn't be ta- you shouldn't be surprised when they talk about their writing process, what clubs they hit up, what are their favorite stories that they bombed. You know, it's it's part of what they're going to discuss, right? I mean, you're not going to throw crap against the wall when you hear two software engineers talk about their code on you know, GitHub, right? Like, you're not going to do that. You're not going to hear... You, 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 it's normal to hear that. You know, you, Again, it's normal to hear two software engineers talk about how they got a repository error when they were coding. Uh, you know, it, it's it's just part. It's just part of what happens, you know? It's just what it is. It's like when you hear two doctors talk about, you know, their time in the ER, right? It's just what it is. It's hearing two lawyers on a podcast talk about their favorite stories when they were in the in the courtroom. You know, it's just what's going to happen. You know, if you have two individuals from the same profession, they're bound to talk about their profession. You know, so when I hear people, you know, crap on the inside baseball comedy or why they're talking about inside baseball and comedy, why they're talking about the clubs that they hit or the comedians that they like or their their worst bombs that they've ever done or their favorite bomb stories, why are they talking insider baseball? It's like, this is what they have in common. They're going to discuss it. If you don't enjoy it, it's fine, but that's what they're going to discuss. Uh, and that's what it was, essentially. That was the podcast. Um, you know, I thought they, they talked a lot about, you know, their stories, you know, making up the ranks in the Boston comedy scene, seeing all these amazing Boston comedians that were big in the 70s and 80s. You know, Steve Sweeney, Don Gavin, Lenny Clark, just these staples in the Boston comedy scene. By the way, I still see Lenny Clark from time to time here in Boston. You know, he always does giggles in Saugus and Route 1. You know, Steve Sweeney has his own comedy den in Quincy. Uh, they're still doing their thing, right? Like, they're, like again, like, I th- for me, as a 
young comedian, like I think it's very, very important to give kudos to the comedians that came before you. I think regardless of how you may view them, you know, for me, like I never listened to prior at all. Like, so like, for me, like my reference point on prior is quite different than a more older individual. But for me, I like, I will always give credit where credit is due, right? If I see an older comedian, you know, or if I'm, if I hear a older comedian, I'll always make sure that I give them their credit because I understand that they came from a very different time. And, you know, the things that they have to go through is way different than what we had to go through as comedians. And, you know, the sacrifices that they made allowed us to make sure that we could be able to do this, you know, not only as a pastime, but for some of us, uh, full time as well. I'm not there yet where I could do this full time, but, um, I always give credit to comedians that came before me. So, um, you know, they talked about their time, you know, getting back into discussion, discussion with, uh, Stephen Wright and, and Rogan, they talk about their time at Nick's comedy stop, you know, how they were able to make their bones there and, you know, really hone in their craft as a comedian at this, at that place. And obviously I'll discuss my time at Nick's comedy stop this past uh, week in my next segment, but it was just a fun spirited conversation. Uh, there were times where I was hearing Stephen Wright. And I'm like, is this Bill Maher? Like, if he just said Islam is gay and is like sort of subdued, mellowed out voice, I'm like, oh my God, he had Bill Maher on this podcast as well. Damn. Uh, but yeah, overall, it was just a nice conversation. Um, now, obviously, will people enjoy Stephen Wright after this podcast? I don't know. I mean, if you're if you're like going into this cold turkey and you have no idea who Stephen Wright is, you'll be like. Why is this human version of Xanax on Rogan, right? Like, you would think that. But you got to watch his stuff, man. Like, he's a very funny comedian. I mean, his doctor, his dentist woman joke is still hilarious to this day. I mean, his, his dentist woman joker is like, uh, I had a crush on my hygienist. So in the waiting room before my dentist woman, I decided to eat an entire box of Oreo cookies hilarious it's great i mean obviously i bastardized that joke uh but if you hear from the horse's mouth then it's it's a great joke it really is i mean go watch go listen to i have a pony wicked chairs and gravities when the leaves blow away these are all great specials albums you got to check it out bro you got to check it out really really good stuff um but yeah stephen wright just a very good comedian one of the the architects of the one-liner comedy you know i don't think we would have a mitch hedberg without a stephen wright i don't think we would have a Rodney Dangerfield without Stephen Wright. Obviously, I know Rodney Dangerfield may have uh, been before uh, Stephen Wright, but I don't think we would have seen the popularity of Rodney Dangerfield without Stephen Wright. I don't think we would have seen Anthony Jeselnik without Stephen Wright. I don't think we would have seen Jack Handy without Stephen Wright. I mean, there's been a lot of people that he's influenced that I don't think people really understand. You know, so big, big, massive respect to Stephen Wright for what he was able to do. Uh, th- there was one point in the interview, in the discussion, where I heard Stephen Wright say that he doesn't go to the clubs, which I was like, I, I feel like you got to go to the clubs. I, I mean, I don't want to be like one of those guys that's like, you got to go to the clubs, you know, got to go to the clubs, but you got to go to the clubs. I, I think it's important to test on your material, to just go out there and tour in front of your own fans with material that you haven't really thought through or didn't really spend the time to really hone in on. Very few people can do that. Like it, it, very few people can do that. I mean, I think if you're an expert writer, maybe Stephen Wright is an expert writer. So maybe he could do that. But 
I feel like there in very few instances comedians should go out there on the on the road and just start hitting cities. Like I, I don't think that that should be the case. I think that if you're a comedian, if you're working on your material, and are are in the infant stages of you know writing new jokes, I, I think it's important to go to the clubs to hit up as many places as you possibly can to test out your stuff. Because as Stephen Wright said in, in his uh, sit down with Rogan. You know, the audience is the control group. The audience will let you know in real time whether or, no, whether or not a joke works or not. They are the editors. So it's very important that you hear them out. You know, even if it's in a place like, you know, I mean, I'm going to name these hipster areas that I think are not a good litmus test for comedy. But even if it's in Brooklyn or Echo Park or even in, in my shade of the area, Cambridge or Somerville, right? It's important to test out your jokes, even in these sort of very, uh, I don't want to call them PC, but very, uh, you know, left-leaning areas. It's important to test out your jokes there because how will you know whether or not the jokes are good or not? You know, so it's important to view the audience as the editors, you know, even if it's in places that you have no respect for, right? Like, I, I don't care about Cambridge or Somerville. I'm, not, I'm going to be very honest here. I don't care about Cambridge or Somerville. You know, like, they're, like, persona non grata in my eyes. Like, I don't care. Like, for me, like, I, I chase the club audiences. Like, that's what I want. You know, like, I, I don't, like, I was never the kind of guy that, you know, was infatuated by, like, the early 2010s of Comedy Central where I saw some guy with a neck beard with an Incredible Hulk t-shirt drinking PBR telling jokes about superhero movies like i was not i was never the kind of guy that was into that kind of comedy like ever like i, I hated that kind of comedy in my opinion like that kind of comedy sucked in my opinion just my opinion i hated that kind of comedy uh that like you know neck beard with these fat you know white guys that showed how much they are into like you know leftism while also drinking pbr and like talking about how much they love comic books and superhero movies like no like screw that like that's so gay to me like it's just so gay um but yeah it was just a nice conversation i really enjoyed it um they were the the one thing that i enjoyed and i say this as a comedian so the things that i enjoy in this podcast may be different than how like your average person views comedy but they were talking about how it's important to have nothing in the car no music radio bluetooth because nothing isn't really nothing and I would love to say that I quoted that or that I said that, but it was Stephen Wright. Uh, because that's a, it's true. I mean, there are times where you'll be going to mics or shows and you'll think to yourself, man, oh man, like, I just can't listen to comedy all the time. I, I, I mean, and I can't just listen to music either because that can get tiring. You know, I sometimes I just gotta have nothing in the car. And in my opinion, and from my perspective, that's when the best ideas come. You know, it's just when nothing is in the car. You're going from you're bouncing from one mic to the next mic or from one show to the next show. You're having this idea on a premise that you really want to expound upon, but you don't have any jokes or punchlines to go with it. So you're just like, what's happening here? And those are some of the best ideas. When that joke finally hits you on that long car ride from, you know, Salem to Back Bay or from Back Bay to North End or your Cambridge to Somerville, uh, those are the best ideas. And those are the times where you're like, man, man, oh, man, is comedy amazing. Uh, comedy can be fun sometimes, you know. So, yeah, this was just a fun conversation. I really enjoyed it. If you're one of the guy, if you're one of those individuals that isn't really into or isn't even a comedian, I mean, or a, a micer, open micer, 
you probably won't enjoy this podcast. Like, I'm going to be honest with you. If you're one of those individuals that isn't in the ins and outs of comedy, you you won't enjoy this conversation between Stephen Wright or Rogan. But if you want to hear about the history of Boston of the Boston comedy scene, if you want to hear about their process, which I understand can be tiring for a lot of people, then you'll enjoy it. You'll enjoy it. Um, but yeah, I mean, Stephen Wright, man. I mean, he is one of the best comedians that in the, in the one-liner space. And for me, like, he, he comes from my shade of the area. You know, he went to Burlington, Massachusetts. And he went to Burlington. Uh, went to, I think he graduated from Burlington High. Went to Middlesex Community Colleges. Middlesex Community College. Then graduated from Emerson. I mean, he's just... He's a Boston comic through and through. I mean, everything about him screams Boston. I know he's not, he doesn't have the physicality of a Lenny Clark. You know, he doesn't have the vulgarity of a Bobby Kelly or a Burr, right? He doesn't have, you know, the the sageness or the wise, wiseness of a Louis C.K. Or he doesn't bring up politics as much as, say, Rogan does on uh, or stand-up. You know, he, he may not talk about trans people for an hour like Rogan does. Uh, but uh, but he does have jokes, you know? And that's no shade to Rogan. I, I love Rogan, but I'm just saying. Uh, he's, he's not one of those individuals that will talk about politics for an hour. He's, he's not one of those individuals that brings out the physicality on stage. You know, he's not going to, you know complain and complain and complain like Burr does. And I love Burr, you know? You know, he, he, but he's himself. He's his own individual. You know, there it's very rare to see a comedian that can do a Stephen Wright or that can be in the same vein as Stephen Wright. And when there is a comedian that is in the same vein as Stephen Wright, everyone's going to say to themselves, oh yeah, that's Stephen Wright. Like, it's so easy to point those individuals out. Like, it's so easy to do that. You know, and that's the beauty of Stephen Wright is that there's so many individuals that have their own lanes. And, and there's only a few ways that he can really craft a joke, right? Like you can be physical on stage. You can be, you know, dark on stage, blue in your comedy. You can be clean. You know, there's only so many certain type of, you know, facets that you can really make a joke land or really find your voice on stage. But with Stephen Wright, he's, in, he's his own self. And whenever you see a comedian that, you know, is within that same area of, you know, doing one-liners in a very subdued, deadpan voice, it's so, it, everyone will say, you're, you're doing a Stephen Wright. And that just goes to show you just how much of an influence he has on comedy. So go watch it. Go listen to it. It's, I highly implore you guys to listen to it. It's two and a half hours long. And if you want to know whether or not you did well on Rogan, if he talks to you for more than two hours... He likes you. He likes you. If if he does not talk, if he does not get to the two hour limit, he does not like you. Uh, but but I will say that with this uh, with with this sit down discussion with uh, Rogan, you can tell that he's kind of out to lunch because he doesn't know about the comedy mothership. He does not know about the Austin uh, comedy scene, which I understand why. Right, he's kind of up there on age. Uh, but you know, you hear him, you know, talk about, you know, or you hear him not mention or not really understand, you know, the idea of an opener, right? Like apparently Stephen already just goes up on stage whenever like he tours, he just goes up on stage and does his time. Like there's no opener. There's no, uh, host for the show. It's just him going up on stage, doing his one-liner jokes in a deadpan way. So you can tell that he's sort of out of it in a lot of ways. But 
still a great comedian and if he's in your area go watch him man go watch Stephen Wright while he still can you know he's a, he's I, I think he deserves his flowers while he's still alive um, because he's influenced a lot of comedians and I think he's one of these one of these comedians where his jokes 40 years after they were first told still land they still work and the last minute in that HBO special when he released it the one that he released back in the 80s man oh man like i would die to get those last minute like i was like timing one out this was a few years ago when i first watched it but i was timing the amount of last per minute for every joke for every joke that he, that he told he was getting like five to six laughs per minute maybe even more i'm like how like, it was just like a roller coaster of just joke 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 it was just impressive to see and and i think that his specials continue to age well. His albums continue to age well. So definitely go watch Stephen Wright while you still can. And go watch him live. Uh, anyway, so I think that's it for the topic for that. Uh, let's get into our last, my last topic for today. This will be uh, a little bit of a story. It really opened up about my personal life because I'm like, eh, whatever. There's nothing much to really talk about in my personal life. It's just podcasting, comedy, and that's about it. That's all i got to really know about my personal life. Um, but... Um, yeah, uh, so I, I do want to tell this story. So I opened for Shafi Hossein at Nick's Comedy Stop uh, on Saturday. And if you guys don't know Nick's Comedy Stop, it's one of the most beloved clubs in Boston. Uh, one, of the, one of the most historically significant clubs in the Boston area. And I just have so much respect for that club. Like, I really do. I mean, they mentioned it in, in, the, in the podcast with Stephen Wright, but... The amount of killers that I remember that were going to that club in the 80s and 90s and that I still have such an love and affinity for to this day is, is, is are people that, for me, like made me want to become a comedian. You know, when you think about Rogan, when you think about Louis, Burr, Dane Cook, Greg Fitzsimmons, Bobby Kelly, Patrice O'Neill, I mean, these are all comedians that inspired me to do comedy. And they all made their bones at Nick's Comedy Stop. And I think this is back when Nick's Comedy Stop was a little bit more like newish in a way where inexperienced comedians could be, get on stage and you know get a mic in or can ask to be a feature act or whatnot and this was back when it was like the in the 80s so this was and its first boom of comedy right so all these individuals would just make their way into next comedy stop and just do their time on stage it's quite it's different it's it's changed a lot now you got to be more vetted you got to be more seasoned as a comedian. You got to make sure that, you know, your jokes are there and, and that you, you're spending enough time that you're paying your dues, essentially, to get on at Nick's Comedy Stop. You got to pay your dues. Um, but I just remember, you know, all these comedians that I truly love first made their way into Nick's. I'm like, I for me, like, I have so much love and respect for comedy where I, I just, I, I get, I buckle up whenever I, I'm in those circumstances. But uh, I hosted for Shafi Hossein. If you guys don't know Shafi Hossein, he's a Bangladeshi comedian. Very funny guy. Crowd work heavy, but very funny regardless. And um, he did really well in those two shows. I saw him Friday. Uh, I, wasn't on that, I wasn't on that show uh, on Friday. Just saw him. Um, some good comedians were on the lineup. Andrew Del Volpe was hosting. So go check out his podcast, Soft Boys. Um, but... Um, yeah, it was just a nice time, you know, very nice time, Friday, Friday night, um, you know, really hot crowd, really, really hot crowd, it was a mix of uh, Bangladeshi people and, like, uh, white white people, which is, like, a good mix, right, 
really good mix. I think that's really where it's at, right? Really, very hot crowd. Nobody had a bad set. You know, nobody had a bad set on that on that lineup. Everyone did fairly well. Um, Shafi Hussain really did well as well. Uh, but Saturday happened. I got a message from the booker saying, hey, you want to uh, open for him? I was like, cool, that's nice. Uh, I got there early because obviously Boston parking, so it is what it is. Uh, but I got there, uh, came there 30, 40 minutes early because I'm like, this is Nick's comedy stop. I don't know when I'll get a chance to perform here next. Uh, I have so much love and respect for that club where I'm like, I, I don't know if I could really beg and plead to get on that club again. But uh, I, was, I was just taking it all in, right? I was just taking it all in and showtime is about to start. You know, it's an 8, 8 p.m. start time, but I think we started at 8.05. Uh, and then all of a sudden I, I get a message from uh, Will Noonan. I, I hate to name drop, but Will Noonan. And he said, uh, oh, yeah, OJ, like, you're hosting this. I'm like, what? Like, I'm hosting this? Uh, so I was told that five minutes before showtime. So I'm like, okay, I'm discombobulated right now. Like, I'm, I'm taking this all in, right? But I, I got a panic attack. I, I got a panic attack when I, I was told that I was hosting it because I'm like, I'm just, I'm I'm not a host. Like, I'm, I'm quite deadpan on stage. I don't really, like, move around. I'm not physical on stage. I'm very deadpan. I'm very stoic, you know. Me being physical, you know, trying to be a hype man. Because when you're a host, you're just a hype man. Like, that's all you are. Like, your jokes really don't matter as a host. Like, they really don't at all. Because you're not going to do as well as you would like to for them to go, right? They're just not. Um, but I, I I went on Saturday. And when I went up on stage and when I was announced as a host, I just saw, like, a sea of Bangladeshi people. And I'm like, oh, God, no. Oh, no. And by the way, Bangladeshi people, great people, right? But... As an audience, as like a comedy crowd, when you have like uncles and aunties there, it's it's just not ideal for a comedy show. It's just not like I don't want to hear uncles. And, I, I don't want uncles and aunties to hear my crass humor. Like I don't want them to hear my blue jokes. Right. I, I just don't think that they're used to that. You know, I mean, even when I got there, there were people that. I mean, obviously, you know, Shafi Hossein, Muslim, right? He's a Muslim comic. There are individuals that brought their, there were like Muslims that brought their praying mats to the comedy club. I'm like, what? Like, I mean, obviously, respect to their religion, what, whatnot. But like, it's kind of weird that you would do that here, right? Like, it's, it's, it's kind of, I'm not saying you shouldn't do it. I'm just saying that, that, I mean, it shows how committed you are, right? I mean, five times a day, right? But at a comedy club is 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 interesting, especially when it's above like a dance hall or a dance studio. So it, that that I found to be quite interesting. Um, but yeah, when I, I I mean I hosted and I did okay. I mean I didn't kill at all. It was a rough start for me. Uh, I'm not gonna lie. I have a cultural appropriation joke. I'm probably gonna upload on Instagram or YouTube sometime. But I have a joke where I defend cultural appropriation. It's like a short joke. Uh, but as soon as I said I don't uh, that I don't mind cultural appropriation. I just heard like I'm pretty sure it was a brown girl off the side because there's like a like a VIP section on to your left when you go up on stage. Someone's like, "Oh no!" I'm like, "We just started, we just started, and you're saying oh no to that to a mild premise. Like it's not even like edgy. Like it's not even an edgy premise. It's just me saying I don't mind cultural appropriation. I think it's great when people who don't look like me." find interest in my race and religion. You know, I think it's great. You know, and, and that's that in and of itself got an oh no. I'm like, oh my God, we're, we're, this is going to be a long night for me. Uh, but yeah, it was just a overall 
I had fun. I know the crowd could have been better. There were three people in the front row that carried the entire show. They were laughing at every joke. There were amazing audience members. They were eating it up. They were being participatory when they were asked questions. Great people. Like if, and they were white, obviously. They were white, obviously. But if if they're listening to this, just know that you got you are loved and appreciated because. If it wasn't for you, that show would have tanked. It, it would have tanked so badly. Um, but yeah, overall, just a nice, nice time. Obviously, Will Noonan did some time. I, I didn't like Will Noonan. I mean, how could I? Like, how could I like Will Noonan? Uh, I think he did like about 20 minutes. I'm like, dude, keep going further. Like, the show was so underbooked. It was very much underbooked. It, it was me. It was Will Noonan. And um, it, it was then uh, Shafi Hussain, which I'm not going to lie. Pretty good lineup. Uh, pretty good lineup, if you ask me. Uh, I threw another comedian up on, on, on the list as well. But yeah, it was quite underbooked. Uh, I didn't know how we could stretch it to an hour and a half. Um, but we were able to do it. And again, I I say all that to say this. I just have so much love and respect for Nick's Comedy Stop. And, you know, when I, when I was done with the show, I'm like, is this real life? Like, is this real life? Like I'm, I'm, I know the stage has changed. I know all that. I know the venues have changed. This is not the original Nick's comedy stop that it was before, right? It's not that. But I mean, so many people came through this club, right? I mean, as I mentioned before, you know, Fitzsimmons, Dane Cook, Bobby Kelly, Patrice O'Neill, you know, even local legends like Don Gavin, you know, Steve Sweeney um you know lenny clark you know just so many individuals came through this club you know i was thinking about the history of this club you know thinking about you know that patrice o'neill documentary where they showed footage of dan cook and patrice o'neill and bill burr outside nick's comedy stop being like i don't know if we're going to make it you know just so many classic moments happened at this place and I, I was just soaking it all in you know i mean i remember i remember just laying out in the there's not really a green room there it's just like a like a booth like a essentially a booth basically right right by the bar and i was just like laying there just being as cool as a cucumber being like dude the comedy's awesome comedy can be good sometimes like yeah it can suck right like it can't it, it can be demoralizing right like especially when you go to so many open mics and go to so many shitty shows out there right like hey part of my french there but there, there are gonna be times where it can just suck so much you're watching a comedian who you know, is is like green and is trying to be edgy by like like talking about trans people, and you're like, oh my god, this again, this. You know, you can go to shows that are just so that are just so un unprofessional, where the host isn't even being a good host. You know, there are times where you'll have to follow a comedian that did not do comedy whatsoever when they're on stage. There are times where there's nobody in the audience. You know, there can be times where it's just nobody. You're just performing in front of a bunch of chairs. You know, I mean, there are times where comedy can suck so badly. There are times where you could be in comedy contests where a person who brought 30 people win with mediocre jokes just because they brought that many people. But that was a, that was a night where I'm like, this this can be fun. This can be fun. Comedy can be fun sometimes, and uh, that was a great. That's that was a night that I will never forget. Um, yeah, that that's my story. Overall, nights, a nice comedy show. I did okay. I didn't think I did that well on it. I mean, Shafi had other things to say about it. Yeah, Shafi liked it, uh, but 
for me, I'm like, I had better sets than this. But again, I'm, I was a host. So I'm like, I can only do as well, like, right? Like if you're a host, your only job is to keep the show moving, be a hype man, keep asking the, uh, asking the audience, are you guys ready for the next comedian? I can't hear you. You got to be louder. Like that's your job as a host. Like obviously you can tell your jokes, right, as a host, but the jokes aren't going to go well as you would like them to be because it's just not normal. It's just not, they're not expecting jokes right off the top. They're like, okay, well, give, give me the comedians on the lineup. I didn't know this host had jokes, you know, like that's what they think of when they see a host, especially when you're coming into a crowd of people that have never really seen comedy before, because for a lot of people, this was their first time watching comedy live. So it was a very interesting experience, a very fun experience. And uh, yeah, thank you so much to, to uh, Eric for Eric Taylor for letting me be a part of it. And um, yeah, just a very fun time. I really wish I got the crowd on Friday as, uh, as opposed to the one on Saturday because man, oh man, were they hot. They were so hot. They were so fire. They were listening to everybody's jokes. They were being attentive. They were not, I mean, not to say that people on Saturday show were heckling, but you know, they were very sort of attentive and listening and wanting to hear the jokes. And, you know, again, it was a good, it was a good mix up. It was not just like Bangladeshi people like it was on Saturday. It was a very good mix of 50% white people, 50% Bangladeshi, Muslim, South Asian. Uh, and I thought that was, a, that was a good mix up, but yeah, overall, very fun time. So happy. I got to perform at Nick's comedy stop, you know, the home of legends, you know, I'm very, very happy. So, um, Overall, nice, fun experience that I'll never forget. Yeah, um, I felt like that that got get in, but it is what it is. You know, you got to take your achievements while while you still can. You know, uh, but anyways, guys, um, I think that's it for all the topics. Let's get into our weekly pick, shall we? Uh, this is my last topic for tonight. Last topic for this podcast. Obviously, I want to be be a little more bit more chill on this podcast episode because it is during Mother's Day weekend, so. I want to be a little more chill, uh, but anyways, let's get into our weekly pick. So each and every week, I recommend a book, piece of art, a film, sometimes a special that I really enjoy that I think you guys will enjoy. This week, I'll be recommending a song uh, off of their new album that will be releasing in June, and that song is "Emotion Sickness" by Queens of the Stone Age. So if you guys don't know Queens of the Stone Age, you're living under a rock. You got to know Queens of the Stone Age, right? They're, they've been a staple in the rock scene for over the past twenty or so years. Their album "Songs for the Deaf." basically launched them into stardom with songs such as uh go with the flow and um and uh the other other song that uh, is not off the top of my head um but no one knows that's the name of the song uh, i can't believe i i forgot that for a split second but uh they were basically launched into superstardom after that after those two songs and they really released album after album that in my opinion it are really good. You know, Rated R was a really good album, even though that came before then. Uh, Era Vulgaris, also pretty good. Uh, uh, like Clockwork. Honestly, I would, there, I would go as far as to say Like Clockwork, in my opinion, and is up there with Songs for the Deaf and their self-titled uh, album as my three favorite Queens of the Stone Age song, uh, albums. Three, uh, three of my favorite Queens of the Stone Age albums. They're all equally, in my opinion, my favorite, so I, it's tough for me to choose, but... If, I, if you put a gun to my head, I'll probably say like Clockwork, uh, but still three of my favorite Queens of Stone Age albums. Um, but yeah, overall, they are back into the limelight with their song Emotion Sickness, 
And I really enjoy the song. I think it's a really good song. You should definitely listen to it. Uh, I don't know if he was hinting at his divorce with Brody Dahl or Brody Dale from the Distillers, uh, because there are a lot of like hidden messages in the song. In the song that I'm sure he was alluding to his divorce. Maybe, maybe not. Um, but just a nice song that I think sets people on the right track to listen to some even better Queens of the Stone Age songs. Is this my favorite song of their discography? No, absolutely not. I mean, I, I In the Fade is still one of my favorite songs, as well as I Appear Missing. Those two songs, in my opinion, are my favorite. Again, it's tough to choose, but In the Fade and I Appear Missing are my two favorite songs uh, but of, of their discography. But still, it's a good song regardless. Uh, I, don't, I don't know if this should have been the single. I, I think if this was just like a regular track off the album, I think it still would have been good. But it is what it is. It's their single, and I think you guys will enjoy it. If you're a, bit, if you're a fan of Queens of Stone Age, you'll definitely enjoy this uh, track off their new album. So go listen to it, Emotion Sickness. And I can't wait for In Times New Roman, or Times New Roman. So that's your new album name, and that's a new album that's coming out in June. So I can't wait to listen to that. Obviously, I've been a big fan of Queens of Stone Age for quite some time now. So good to see uh, Josh, Homie, and the gang come back together and release a new album. So yeah. That's my weekly pick for you guys today. Guys, thank you so much for watching. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, make sure you guys like, subscribe, and click the bell icon for notifications down below. Make sure you subscribe to both my podcast channel, my podcast clips channel, and my stand-up channel. Uh, make sure you follow me on my social mediums, whether it's Instagram, TikTok, or Twitter, at AJ Tucker, A-J-A-Y-T-H-A-K-K-A-R underscore at the end is my username for all of those platforms. So go follow me on all that. Um, Make sure you rate and review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify as well. Uh, leave a comment down below on any of the topics I discuss, whether it's my story of opening or hosting for Shafi Hossein, whether it is uh, that of CNN's Trump town hall meeting with Stephen Wright on Rogan, or that of, say, uh, Italians that, that, are, that are keeping hard for their own players at the town open, or that of my weekly pick. Any of your questions or comments, leave them down below. I'll do my best response to each and every one of them. And last but not least, make sure you spread it through, uh, through word of mouth, through your text strings, through group threads. I think getting more and more people involved and invested in this podcast is great. I think getting more and more people to be a part of it, to be a part of the conversation, to find the funny in anything, if not everything. I, I think that's the beauty of not only this podcast, but just in pocket and just discussions in general. And I think to be able to do that, to get more and more people involved and invested is always great for this podcast. So guys, that's it for the uh, podcast for you guys today. Guys, thank you so much for watching. Thanks so much for listening. I'll see you guys on Thursday. We'll talk more about things in our political and societal realm, as well as things that are happening within our tennis world as well. So guys, thank you so much for watching. Thanks so much for listening. I'll see you guys on Thursday. Peace. See y'all.